0: Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities,
1: and lies keep us from experiencing God's best.
0: This podcast will consist of real talk Talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given
1: dreams. Hey friends! Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host Rachel Gilbert, and today I'm bringing you a short yet full of rich wisdom episode with special guest Holly Girth. Holly is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, certified life coach, and speaker. She loves connecting with the hearts of women through her popular blog and books like You're Already Amazing and Fierce Hearted. She's also co-founder of Encourage and a partner with DaySpring who happens to be giving away a $100 shopping spree to a lucky listener. So stay tuned until the very end to find out how to enter to win. You are going to love Holly and her thoughts on Real Talk. So let's jump right into my conversation with Holly Girth. Hey, Holly, how are you doing? Hey, Rachel. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. So you are actually chatting with me from where today? From Arkansas. And it's beautiful here. The leaves are turning colored, So I love it. I'm a little jealous. I'm down here in Texas and Texas can't make up its mind about the weather. So <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We have a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about. Go ahead and tell everybody just a little bit about yourself.
0: Okay. Hey, I'm an author, an encourager, a wife and a mama. And I grew up in Texas, so I like to say y'all. And I'm fond of coffee and anything with chocolate and peanut butter frosting.
1: (laughs) You wanna know something funny about y'all? So I've lived in Texas now 12 years this January. Last year, I caught myself saying y'all, and I shocked myself, and then I haven't stopped saying it since. So I guess it's like once you, once you cross over the line, there's no going back. <laughs> it's kind of addictive. <laughs> yeah, so I'm now a y'all girl. Um, all right, so you have written several books, um, but your most recent one is Hope Your Heart Needs, 52 Encouraging Reminders of How God Cares for You. I would love for you just to tell us a little bit more about that and your heart behind that. Yeah,
0: well, it started in a season where I was just feeling kind of blah and going through some hard things, and I wanted some encouragement. And I felt like I didn't want just something external, like, oh, it's going to be better or advice. I wanted to know more about what God himself could offer me in this season. And so I started it in a journal that was just my personal journal, and I would read about a name of God every day and write about what that meant to me. And I kept doing that over several weeks and then months. And at some point, I realized I want other women to be able to read this too. And so it was really a process for me of learning about the heart and character of God, which was so reassuring because everything else in our lives can
1: change. But who God is and how he loves us always stays the same. I love that that started as a personal journal, because I feel like sometimes we can look at people who have written books and been like, wow, I mean, I know some books they do, you do to sit down and you write and you have that purpose in mind. But it's, that's just something God's been speaking to me personally a lot lately of those baby steps, those baby yeses. We sometimes don't even realize the full extent of how God wants to use those things.
0: Yeah, I really never intended to publish it. And the name I had for it was just the love project like that was the title I used and I just didn't ever think it'd be out there. But I love that it is because it helped me a lot. And I think it'll help other people too.
1: Yeah, I love that name. That's cute. Um, Okay, so whenever I was looking at this book, I saw, I read a quote that is in the the description of the book. And it said this, and I was like, oh my goodness, we have to dig into this a little bit because it's the heart of this podcast. It said, she realized that she didn't have to settle for quote, I'm fine. When there was someone whispering to her in every moment, you're mine. First of all, that phrase right there is just amazing. But I would love for you to kind of elaborate on that phrase, I'm fine, and how we can get real with ourselves and others when we're not fine. Yeah,
0: I think it's easy to just answer, how are you? I'm fine. You know, when there's always a lot more going on under the surface that our hearts need to share. And so I'm a person who, when I'm hurting or struggling or whatever, my default response is try harder. Mm-hmm words run around saying I'm fine a lot when I may not be. And so I feel like God's been teaching me that it's okay to share the hard things in my life because they aren't my identity. They aren't my destiny. You know, my identity and destiny are that second phrase that I'm his, and he's going to get me through this. And he gets a final word on who I really am. And so that's just reassuring to me and helps me say what's real instead of just, I'm fine.
1: I love that. And you know, something that I would be curious to hear your opinion on the flip side of it, something God's been reminding me of is not to just be somebody who doesn't always say I'm fine, but also to be somebody who's prepared to hear the not I'm fine responses. So let me explain. Have you ever said to somebody, how are you doing? And we're all expecting, most of us anyway, for most people to come back and say, I'm fine. So it almost takes people aback, when they do actually go, um, actually, I'm not okay. Like, we're almost sometimes not prepared to handle that. So what is your perspective of how do you prepare yourself to be in a place to handle people's responses when they don't say I'm fine?
0: Yeah, I was actually reading last night Brene Brown's latest book. And she talked about the difference between empathy, which is powerful and healing, and sympathy, which is kind of dismissive. Mm. And so she. The most powerful thing we can say to each other is, I see you, I hear you, I've been there too. And she said that doesn't mean that you need to have gone through the exact circumstance someone is going through. It means saying that you can relate to the emotion that they're feeling. So the details may be different, but like we all know what it means to be afraid or to be ashamed or to feel uncertain about the future or disappointed and so she said if we can just sit in that place and let people share their emotions without trying to fix it or make them or ourselves feel more comfortable then that's really what is healing and i thought back over my life and i could think of times when someone had done that for me just sat and cried with me or said man that's hard and i've been there too and i think that's a gift that we can give each other
1: Yeah, I feel like you have been reading my journal because that is something that I recently had a conversation with a friend about, and she was walking through something tough. It was a breast cancer situation. And she said she noticed people, since they didn't never know how to respond to her, sometimes they would just start avoiding her because sometimes we feel like, well, if I don't have the perfect thing to say... I'm just not going to say anything because what if I say something stupid or, you know, because we, we think we're supposed to fix people. So I love that quote that you said, I see you, I hear you, and I've been there too. That's just so freeing to have those in your back pocket that if somebody gets honest with you and vulnerable that, no, I'm not doing well, you don't have to have pressure to fix them. You're just just love on them. So that's very freeing. I love that. Um, okay. So I ask every guest who comes on the show this question. What does real talk mean to you? I don't know if I've ever told my listeners that actually. It's kind of funny. I realized that today. I was like, huh? Um, so now you all know those of you who are listening and I loved your answer so much that we're really just going to dive deeper into your responses. The first thing you said was that real talk is the courage to be vulnerable. So tell me more about what that looks like for you.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it means to me is just saying, okay, I'm going to show up as I am. I'm not going to try to impress the person I'm talking to or try to look the way I want to be perceived, but instead to say I'm showing up as me. And that means broken and beautiful and messy and beloved and all the things at once, you know, and I think we give each other a gift when we do that because it gives the other person permission to do the same. So I think a lot about like the gift of going first, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to go first. It's hard to be vulnerable first. I think that's the part that takes a lot of courage. So sometimes I just have to take a deep breath and think, all right, I'm going to give this person the gift of going first and being vulnerable first. And I don't always do it. (laughs) Sometimes I chicken out, but
1: that's something I'm trying to practice. The gift of going first. I love that. And I also am curious what you think about being vulnerable in a one on one setting. So I think some of us have a little easier time being vulnerable if it's just you and me together. Like, you know, but what happens when you get into a group setting? Is there any differences in what being vulnerable looks like in a group setting versus one on one?
0: I think that's a great question, whether the group is in person or online. I think it's really important to have discernment about why we're sharing. I think true vulnerability is you're doing it, yes, for your own heart, but also for the benefit of the other person who's listening and sharing with you. And I think if we are being vulnerable or calling it that from a place of anger or to come to our own healing in a very public way, That we probably need to stop and say, okay, before I put this all out there for the entire world, I need to do some healing with people who know me really well and that I trust really deeply. And then when I'm in a place where I can use my vulnerability to serve others, that's when I think you consider taking it to a larger group.
1: I love that. I recently heard I wish I could remember where and I I would give them credit, but they were talking about sharing our testimony and being vulnerable in it and not just your salvation story, but any testimony of, you know, something the Lord's done in our life and really yeah. knowing when the right time is. And she basically said if you're still a blubbering mess whenever you tell the story, it's probably not wise to share it from a stage at that point. That would be the point where you should be with a counselor or be with a friend like you said one-on-one. And then when you can tell the story like like it's you're telling it almost about another person because I don't know about you, but I have things that I've walked through in my life that now I'm so far on the other side of them that I do feel like I'm talking about a different person, but it still really encourages people listening because they go, wow, you went through that. What? And it gives them hope. Yeah. Um, The next thing that you said about Real Talk was having a soft heart in a hard world is courage, not weakness. And I really could not agree with this statement more, but I, I would love to know, practically speaking, what does it look like to have a soft heart? I think that it
0: means in a world that tends to be quick to criticize, that we are quick to offer compassion, Mm. that in a world that tends to condemn and draw lines, that we keep our arms open and our curiosity engaged, that we choose not to become hard and to fold our arms and to stand on the sidelines and judge others. But instead, we say, I'm going to Have the courage to love and to feel and to risk and to put myself out there and to get to know people who are different than me and to show up in my own life and i think that is true vulnerability and true courage it's easy to have a hard heart it's easy to criticize but it is really hard i think especially now to choose the opposite
1: i agree with that well i know many women and this includes myself have experienced pain and rejection when they decided to be real and vulnerable with other women. So I am curious, how do you feel we can be a safe place for each other so that this Real Talk can happen?
0: I think it's similar to what I just said, that we start by saying, you know what, I am never going to criticize one of my sisters. I'm always going to have my sister's back, whether that's in person or behind closed doors. Even if I don't agree with her, that doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love. I definitely think there's a time for that. But we all know the difference between criticism and judgment and compassion and speaking the truth in love. And I think, like I said, too, that we share our own hurts and struggles, because if people have us on a pedestal, they're not going to feel safe with us. They're going to keep their guard up and say, this is someone I need to impress, but not someone I can be my full self with. And so I think the beautiful thing about Jesus is that knowing him means we don't need to have it all together, (laughs) because if we show up and say that we don't, all it means is that we all need a Savior. You know, I grew up in a religious tradition that said things like, if if you show your flaws or if you don't have a smile on your face all the time, like, you're not going to be a good witness. And I think that that's just not true. Like when we show up broken and we say, I still have hope, then that just says, you know what, there's someone bigger than I am. And that helps that person know that God is willing to be there for them in their worst, worst moments, too. You know, when I look at the people in the Bible that I use, I mean, they are all hot messes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and Noah and you know, Peter. And I love that we have that example that we don't have to be the perfect example. We just have to point other people to Jesus.
1: And I love the quote you just said. You said, if people have us on pedestals, they won't feel safe with us. I love that because that's just so freeing to think about. Uh, the whole, you know, we tend to, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself. We tend to really look up to people and we want to surround ourselves with only people that we have maybe put on pedestals. And um, that's just one more reminder of why it's not healthy to put man or woman on pedestal. So what do you consider to be the opposite then of Real Talk?
0: I think believing the lies that our hearts hear, you know, and living by them and saying them to ourselves and each other. I almost think that the hardest place to do real talk is in your own mind. Mm. <laughs> you know, cause I battle lies like you're not good enough or you're letting people down or you need to be trying harder, doing more, or be more like so-and-so and that's not real talk. At least I hope not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I think in that space, we go back to the truth of I'm loved, I'm accepted, I have what I need for God's plan for me, and on the days we can't remember it for ourselves, we reach out to someone else and say, you know what, it is very loud inside my head and my heart today. I need you to remind me. And we go to God's word and do that too. So that is an ongoing struggle for me. I'm just kind of wired that way, and I feel like I have more victory than ever before. But that's my biggest challenge. It's easy for me to offer compassion to other people and really hard for me to do the same for myself.
1: Well, you brought us into my next question with beauty, because my next question really was that I would love for you to do some real talk right here with me about some of those things that you just mentioned. Um, I love how you said that the believing the lies in our own mind. So If I were to go to somebody and say, hey, I'm believing all these lies about myself, sometimes, you know, people do the fixing thing and that doesn't always feel great. I think at the time, initially, maybe, does that make sense? So how would you go to somebody, I guess, is my question, if you were having a day where you're believing one of those lies that you mentioned. So call out one of those lies you were talking about.
0: Well, I think one of my signature one is you're not enough. Okay. And so I have a, a really dear friend that I will text and say, I'm believing this lie today. Tell me the truth. And she knows my heart enough to know what I probably need to hear. So probably mm-hmm. the people that you can go to with those, it's probably going to be a small circle, you know, where you've done some life together and they know not to give you a cliche or pat you on the back or, you know, yeah. whatever it is that you don't need in the moment. So I'd say that's the first step.
1: Yeah. What do you feel like that lie? You're not enough. Cause I, that's a common lie. Many of us have rolled around in our head for sure. I can relate to it myself. What do you think the root of that is? I think that we want
0: to do well, we want to love well, we want to serve God well, we want to do our work, you know, with excellence. I think it's from an honorable place but it just gets distorted where we feel like our identity and our worth are dependent on that. And saying, I'm not enough, you know, it seems like the answer would be, yes, you are. But I found the answer is yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. are not, you know, like why are you trying to carry that on your own shoulders? Like Jesus is enough in you, you know, that's what makes my shoulders relax again and make me take a deep breath, you know, and be okay again is realizing like, wow, I've taken on so much that God has never asked me to have responsibility for. And that's why it feels like I'm not enough because I think my job is to save the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, you know, cure poverty in one day and write the most amazing book the world has ever seen. And it's a trigger for me to realize I've gone back into a place of having really unrealistic expectations for myself. And so that feels like a really ironic answer, but that's a place that I have to go to and then reevaluate like what are those expectations I've taken on and what is God actually asking me to do right now and here in my everyday life and be faithful to that.
1: Well, I love this is, again, so if you're listening, this is basically, to me, what Real Talk looks like is we all have lies that are rolling around in our head, whether they're from past experiences, something that triggered us even, you know, I've been going through, I'm in school to be a counselor. And I, I have to be honest, being in school to be a counselor, I'm like, Oh, man, I'm having to deal with some of my stuff. Like, you know, I just wanted to learn about counseling. I didn't want to be counseled. But um I am being majorly counseled. And so some of these These things do stem, I feel like, from past experiences. And some of them are just, you know, you kind of see the same old lies that come up. But what I love is that you brought this lie out of the darkness into the light. We talked about it. We took what the enemy meant as evil and said, oh, wait, let's flip that around. And instead of I'm not enough, Jesus is enough. And that's the truth. And so to me, that's the power of being real and honest with each other is there's so many times that we feel like I'm the only one who has these crazy thoughts. I'm the only one who struggles with these lies. I'm the only one that's, I feel like one of the biggest lies of the enemy is to get us to believe you are just so alone on that struggle. What is wrong with you? You know, uh, nobody else struggles with this. And so I hope if you're listening today that you are encouraged by that, that again, you don't have to get online and on Facebook and all of that to talk to people about things. You can get just one really good trusted friend and and talk to them about this kind of stuff. And it's really powerful. Um, okay, so a couple more things. We have a little bit of time left. Yay. So you are in um, Dayspring right now, right?
0: Yes, I am.
1: Okay, tell me a little bit more about how you got to be doing what you do there.
0: Okay, so Dayspring is a Christian subsidiary of Hallmark. So they primarily do greeting cards, but also gifts and now gift books and Encourage is part of Dayspring. And I actually started here when I was a 19 year old freshman in college. So I've partnered with them for over 20 years now. So my grandparents had a Christian bookstore when I was growing up. And I was that kid who always wanted to be a writer. So my freshman year of college, the Dayspring sales rep came and called in my grandparent's store. And my sweet Nana said, I have a granddaughter who wants to be a writer. Can she send you some card ideas? So over Christmas break, I did having no idea that was very unlikely that they would accept anything, you know, completely clueless about the process, but God opened a door and they did. So I started out as an intern and writing. And then I became an editorial director here for almost a decade. And then around 2010, I transitioned out of being an employee so that I could mostly work on books, but I continue to write cards for them. And today I'm in the office because we're going to do a gift line together. And I have some gift books with them too. So it feels like family. Like when I'm here, it just feels like coming home, which I'm really grateful for.
1: Well, that story is really encouraging, and I'm glad you were able to share it on here because I heard you share it at Declare, and it encouraged me in two ways. One for myself, but also my I have a daughter who's nine, and she has been writing stories since she could write, you know, and since she's able to, and she draws, and she'll lock herself away, and I, she has this big folder of all these stories she's written, and I try to really encourage her. Just hearing your story is so encouraging to me that when God places a gift in you— You just cultivate that gift by the fun part of it, which is the writing in your case, and then he opens those doors. And so that's one of the reasons I really wanted the listeners today to hear your story is that that story has really stuck with me after I heard it of just do the thing you love to do that God's called you to do that you have fun doing and take that gift and just open your hands up wide and see where the Lord will take you. So thank you for sharing that with us today. And then you, Dayspring actually is going to give away a $100 shopping spree to one of our listeners. So I will make sure to let them know how to enter at the end of this episode. So you guys stay tuned for that. Okay, Holly. So as we wrap up, I would love for you to just tell people where can they stay connected with you online? I would love for folks to
0: connect with me at hollygirth.com and you can subscribe there get some
1: encouragement in your inbox and goodies. And I'm also on all the social media platforms, too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today. I know that a lot of people are going to be encouraged by hearing your story and just also the words of wisdom you had to share. Thank you for having me. Is anyone else inspired to do some Real Talk today? I love how my conversation with Holly summed up so beautifully my heart for this show. Be sure to grab her latest book, Hope Your Heart Needs, to glean even more wisdom and encouragement from her. And don't forget, Dayspring is giving away a $100 shopping spree just in time for Christmas. To enter, leave a review on iTunes, letting us know which episode has been your favorite. And if you've already left a review, head over to my Instagram account, at Rachel J. to enter there as well. And if you aren't familiar with Dayspring, you need to go check out their website, dayspring.com, and see all of the amazing gifts, books, Bibles, journaling, cards, you name it, they've got it. So have fun deciding how to use that $100 shopping spree if you win it. And regardless, I highly recommend getting Christmas gifts from them because they're beautiful gifts and from a company whose mission and values I absolutely love. As always, all of these links that we've talked about in today's show will be in the show notes. All right, friends, that's all for today. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.